Today, we'll spend the first two segments talking about the versatility of this roster, which players we might see playing multiple positions and all that fun stuff. Then we'll wrap up by talking about how Florida Gators played in the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first to listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Don't forget to, to subscribe on YouTube, you know, have that fun stuff. Happy Thursday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm going to get into this with Naquan Wright. I'm just going to throw it out there because Naquan Wright is someone who I've spoken about this so much to the point where I've convinced myself it's going to happen. I don't I don't know if it's going to happen, but I've convinced myself that it will. Uh, Naquan Wright had 76 carries for 326 yards and a touchdown this year, uh, 14 catches for 179 yards and a touchdown this year. So he already played a little bit of a versatility role here, and that's great. Like He, he played snaps in the slot out wide. He moved around a lot already as it was, but he's someone who I watch him play and yeah, I, I see a guy that can easily play running back and be a, a third down back kind of guy. But I also see someone who, if he lined up in the slot every single play, it would not surprise me at all. He's very much a guy where I'm like, yeah, he's he's a running back. He's a wide receiver. He's, I, I like to use a term, even when I value draft prospects, I mark Kadarius Tony as this. I like to call Naquan Wright an offensive weapon, you know, and I don't mean like, oh, Calvin Johnson, just get the ball in his hands. No, I mean, an offensive weapon is not a gadget player. It's someone who is capable of playing two positions or more, whether that's running back receiver, uh, receiver tight end, things like that, tight end receiver, tight end running back. I don't care. Um, but Naquan Wright is that kind of guy. He is an offensive weapon. He's a great receiver. He's a talented runner. And I've mentioned this before when I talked about Billy Napier's scheme and what he likes to do and what we might see. And Naquan Wright, he's often a guy that I talk about as, you know, I think he's going to play a bigger role than people are expecting. Maybe it's not Naquan. Maybe it'll be Demarcus Bowman. I don't know, but I think it'll be Naquan. But, you know, Billy Napier, he likes to send guys in the slot and send them across the formation in motion. He likes to send guys on jet sweeps. He likes to work a lot of different angles to things. And I think Naquan Wright is going to be one of those guys where we'll see him line up in the slot a lot and maybe he'll motion to the other slot. Maybe he'll motion into the backfield. Maybe he'll motion out wide. I don't care. He's just someone that we can. I think we're going to see play the slot a lot, go in motion a lot. And I, I think that Naquan Wright, he might not be, you know, I, I don't think he'll ever be a 1,000-yard rusher or 1,000-yard receiver, but he might be a 1,000-yard scrimmage guy. I, I, could, I could see that happening, him getting like, I, I'm not going to try to throw numbers out there. You guys saw my predictions before the season. I suck at it. But I think Naquan Wright is someone who we could see him get a good deal of touches and we can see him get involved in this offense in a lot of different ways. And I'm excited to see that because I think he's very talented, especially with the ball in his hands, obviously. And so I, I want to see him get the ball in a variety of different ways. And I think Billy Napier is one of those coaches where he's like, you know what? We have one hell of a playmaker on this roster. We're going to get in the ball. And I, I think we'll see that in Naquan Wright. 
Next person to talk about that I think is going to be another versatile piece in a different way is Keon Zipper. Yes, I think Zip will be our starting tight end. I do. Yes, I think he'll primarily play tight end. I do. But I think that, you know, Billy Napier is going to let Keon Zipper open up a little bit by let him play H-back, take snaps in the backfield. Because we look at the rest of this tight end group, I'm not really sure who in that tight end room is better fit for an H-back kind of role that Keon Zipper can easily play. I, I think Keon Zipper can seamlessly go from inline tight end to in the slot as a big slot to in the backfield as an H-back to in the backfield next to the quarterback as kind of a, a fullback that's just back there like Kyle Yusick style. Um, I get Keon Zipper is a little bit bigger. But I think Keon Zipper could be used in that similar way also. Again, this is not going to be an offense where we're like, hey, you know, like the square peg in the round hole or whatever it is. It's not going to be like, hey, you're a square peg, you're a square peg. It's going to be like, you're a square peg. Well, maybe you can kind of fit in the round hole. Maybe that's just how it works out shape-wise. And then things like that, where Keon Zipper, I think he can play tight end and H-back. And I think that he'll be not relegated to that role, but I think he'll be playing that role partially because I'm not really sure who whoever the number two tight end is going to be. I'm not really sure who they will be or where they will be lining up. I think they'd be best suited for playing the tight end role because looking at just who's on the roster, I, I don't see a ton of guys that I look at them and I watch them play and I'm like, H-back's, H-back's a thing for them. But I think Keon Zipper could be that kind of guy. And that's not a knock on him at all. That's a great thing. And there's there's teams in the NFL that use H-backs frequently. He's an athletic tight end that's a capable blocker. He can make plays in the passing game. He's likely someone that is going to step up as an offensive weapon. He could be that tight end, H-back, fullback, big slot role. He could play a whole bunch. He has a whole bunch of hats, and that could be Keon Zipperer. And the last name to kind of, um, I don't want to say gloss over, but to mention a little bit, because uh, I know a lot of people mention this one a lot, Emery Jones. Um, I, I'm in here. <laughs> I'm not mean. Nay. I don't know what to do, but I'm just saying, let's say he isn't the starting quarterback. Because, again, this is very much a open quarterback competition. So, Let's say, let let's say QB one is Anthony Richardson and QB two is Jack Miller the third. Let, let's say that, and then you got Emory Jones as QB three. And let's say this decision is made at the end of spring practices or just some point early in the summer. Would Emory Jones transfer at that point? Yeah, he can go in the portal. He can transfer somewhere. But I feel like at that point, you're going to spend that season as a backup anyway, right? Like, sure, you can spend that season as a backup at a different school, learning a playbook and competing and maybe getting in if there's injuries. But I don't think that's what he wants to do. You know, Emery, Emery's someone who, going into this past year, people were, I mean, I forgot which website it was. It might have been PFF had him as a potential first-round pick because his ceiling is so high as a quarterback. But then this year happened, and it just it, it didn't work out. So would he spend this year as a third-string quarterback, or would he try to kind of see, like, hey, maybe maybe lining up in the slot will work a little bit for me. Maybe that. Maybe he could be a legitimate offensive weapon, gadget role, Taysom Hill type of guy, where, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. You know, if, if you see Emory Jones and he's QB3, would you care if he played in the slot? Like, would, would that be an issue if he just came in the slot as a gimmicky kind of role every now and then? I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind about it. I know a lot of you guys are like, hey, move him to receiver. Maybe. I wouldn't be opposed to it, and I don't think Billy Napier would be totally closed off to the idea. And, I mean, if it gets a, if it gets a ball player like Emery on the field, hell, do it. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, 
the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls right over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. I'm not going to insult you today, boomer. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books out in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade to netsuite.com slash locked. So head to netsuite.com slash locked for this one-of-a-kind financing offer. At, I mean, really, the best financial system for growing businesses. Really, just, let's just be honest about it. netsuite.com slash locked. Looking at roster versatility part two over here, we're going to look at the defensive side of the ball, and we're going to have some fun with it. Um, I'm going to start off with Princely Uman Mielen. That, that is who I'm starting off with. I think Princely is someone we should talk about. Last year, Brenton Cox Jr. dropped back into coverage on about 11.5% of his uh, past defense snaps. Princely did it like three times. So it's like, why, why is he someone that we should talk about? Well, Patrick Tony, you know, the defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator along with Coach Chaos, he's going to work with Creepers, which, again, I, I, I urge you to watch the defensive scheme episode from two weeks ago, I believe it was. Uh it was fun. It might have been January 7th if I'm if I'm just going off the dome like that. Uh, but we're going to talk about creepers where, you know, you have four down linemen. You're still sending four rushers, but one of the down linemen drops into coverage. I think that could be princely. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And like, I know that I saw people that are like, oh, size-wise. He's, he's, I've seen people that I spoke about this before say he's too big to do that. He's basically the same size as Burton Cox Jr. So, and Burton Cox Jr. did it 11.5% of the time. So, I don't know why. I don't know why Princely's too big to do it. Uh, it's like a five-pound difference in the same height. So, uh, Patrick Tony, he's gonna have one edge defender draw back into coverage, kind of a lot. Like, like he did it, I believe. Uh, I believe like twenty-two percent of the snaps for Louisiana last year had an edge defender dropping into coverage. So, we're gonna see it happen. You know, Burton Cox Jr. did it eleven point five percent of the time last year. He's probably gonna do it more than he did last year. But I think Princely will do it a lot as well. Uh, I think Princely will be that guy who drops back more than Brenton Cox Jr. Because you look at Brenton Cox Jr. and, you know, he, he said it himself in his coming back post where he's like, hey, I wasn't healthy. I led the team in sacks. I led the team in TFLs. Imagine what I could do when I'm healthy. Well, <laughs> if you have Princely as the primary pass rusher, Brenton Cox or Princely is the DN that will drop back then Brandon Cox Jr. gets to just rush the passer more often. And we saw what he did. We know that he could be a key piece of this pass rush. And I know Princely can be a key piece of this pass rush. I'm very high on Princely. I think he's going to be starting opposite uh, Brandon Cox Jr. And I can't wait for it. And I think Princely is going to be that guy that drops back more than anything. And I, I think that, you know, I, I think that when you drop back into coverage as a DN, it, it gives you a lot of freedom there because it's like, you you can really creep up, especially creep up. Wow, because it's creepers. Haha. <laughs> uh, you can really creep up there and maybe get a pick if a if a quarterback's just a little lackadaisical and he's like, I'm gonna throw this slant. That's gonna be wide open, and then you got someone right in your space. And I think that allows Brenton Cox to be a pass rusher more. And I think that we'll see Princely there. And next up, Trey Dean. Um, I know a lot of you guys don't like him. Very very touchy feely about Trey Dean over here. Um. I, I like trading. I very openly said that. I think that 
trading and Rashad Torrance form one of the best safety duos in college football, if not the best safety duo in college football. I don't care what you guys say. I, I don't care what, what you want to throw at me. I, I've watched trading play football. I think he's very talented. I've watched Rashad Torrance play football. I think he's very talented. Trading might not be exceptional in any area, um, but he's athletic. He's experienced. And he's capable of making plays. We know that for a fact, whether it's against the run or in the pa- or in pass coverage, he's capable of making plays. I think that we will see trading um, line up in a more variety of spots. He'll be deep safety. He'll be box safety. He'll be a slot corner at times or a slot defender. If you don't want to call him a slot corner, he'd be the nickel of the star or whatever term you want to use. He'd be that kind of guy. And I think trading will be that kind of guy. Uh, but it's also Patrick Tony last year with Louisiana sent a safety blitz about 7% of the time. I, I mean, I don't think it'd be far-fetched at least to say that that number could increase. And I don't think it'd be far-fetched to say trading will be the primary safety that rushes. Um, which it's like, I get like, we give Jamal Adams flex. It's like, Oh, he's a safety that rushes the faster. He's an edge rusher. Um, sure. I don't care. Whatever you want to call him. I think that they won't be at that extreme of a pass rusher, but I think trading someone that we're going to see line up all over the field. I think we'll see him rush the passer more than he did this past year. I, th- I think that we'll see him use again in a variety of ways. This is a piece. This is a whole episode or whole two segments about versatility. And I think trading is incredibly versatile. I think he's a Jack of all trades kind of guy, you know, the Jack of all trades master of none. I think that could be trading, and I think that will be trading under Patrick Tony. And again, this defensive scheme, it's going to be just havoc. Him with Coach Chaos makes it that much cooler. Um, but, you know, they're going to be playing mind games, and I think trading is someone who has the experience and IQ to make those plays and to be a key piece on this defense. Finally, I have one more guy to talk about, um, and it's someone that I spoke about a lot since I took over the show on April 1st, and it's someone that I know fans talk about a lot. And it's someone that I know fans want to see a lot. Dewan Black. You know, he's someone who for years Gators fans have been hyping him up and I still believe in it. Uh, So when you look at, you know, a segment that's like, oh, who's going to be a versatile piece for this defense? Duh. Dewan Black's going to be someone that we talk about. He's someone who we've always spoken about as, you know, he could play linebacker. He could play safety. You could put him out at corner every now and then. You could put him on the edge. You could do whatever you want with him. Why do we think Patrick Tony wouldn't do that? You know, Todd Grantham and Patrick Tony, their scheme, it's not. Huh, how do I put this without sounding bad? Um, the scheme is same, same, but different. You know, they do some of the same things, but Patrick Tony dials it up a bit more. Patrick Tony calls them at better times. Patrick Tony is better, basically. But the scheme, I, I, I think that it still, I think Todd Grantham's scheme warranted to one black playing. I think that this scheme will more into on black bang, you know, whether he's the linebacker, whether he's the safety, whether he's the edge, especially if he's the edge, I think that that'd be insane seeing to one black lineup on the edge and then dropping back with that creepers that we talked about. I think that'll be huge. So with a defensive coordinator, like Patrick Tony, that's going to be sending pressure from all over the field. And I get, you know, when I say sending pressure from all over, a lot of people are like, Wow, he's going to be blitzing like a mother father. He's going to blitz a bit, but don't forget when he's sending pressure, it's going to be with four guys just rushing to the left side of the line. And it's going to be things like that because the other guys, because the other DN is dropping into coverage, stuff like that. So we're going to see pressure from all over. We're going to see wild coverage combinations. 
I mean, when you look at Dewan Black and Patrick Tony, has there ever been a better player coach scheme combination than than Dewan Black with Patrick Tony in this defense? Because I don't know if that's a thing that we've ever seen before. So it's it's gonna be awesome to see. It's gonna be very exciting to see. And I'm hopefully we'll see Dewan Black play some defense this year. Anybody else with money this weekend? I know I did. I've been, like I said, I've been on a heater. Ride the hot hand, baby. That's all I'm doing. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, Florida, you ain't been kind to me too much. <clears throat> Let you know that right now. But bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports experts. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON, that is L-O-C-K-E-D, no space, O-N. Now to wrap up today's show, we're going to talk about some Florida Gators in the NFL playoffs, how they play. This segment might be a little bit shorter, might be a little bit longer if I want to go off on a little tangent. We'll figure it out. That's my show. Who cares? Uh, Marco Wilson is the first one that we're going to talk about because he is such, you know, he like Trey Dean, uh, very, t- very touchy with y'all. Very, we got one player that's very touchy with you guys. We got Emery, we got Trey Dean, and we got Marco Wilson. All three players that, you know. Very touchy with y'all, but I, I like and I'm a fan of. Uh, Marco Wilson got targeted three times. He allowed two catches for 45 yards, including a 41-yarder uh, to Van Jefferson, which was a little bit of a crosser out of the slot. It was it was, it was was what it was. Marco Wilson was there, but obviously, you know, NFL windows are tight and throws are tight, and, and it works. Um, Marco Wilson also allowed a touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr., which was a four-yard touchdown. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't care who you are. If you're going up against Odell Beckham Jr., hey, man, <laughs> like, like you're going to lose times. So like, that's just, that's just how it works. So I don't care. Um, and I, I get it. You know, it's easy to clown Marco Wilson because people don't like him because he threw the shoe. And, and you know, there's a few other things. Um, not necessarily him, but family members, you know. Um, but, but the simple fact is that, yeah, he didn't play great. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that that he played worse than Byron Murphy or Kevin Peterson. I think he played better than both of them. Him and Byron were very close. Um, Kevin Peterson, nah, not that dude. Uh, Marco Wilson played better than both of them, if you ask me. I get it where um, Byron Murphy is matched up more with Cooper Cup, and that could be a thing. But, you know, when Byron wasn't matched up with Cooper Cup, it was rough for him. And I, he was prepared for one thing, it seemed like. Um and I'm a huge Byron Murphy fan, by the way. I just want to make that clear. He's my corner one when he came out of the draft. It's just simple as I, I think Marco Wilson, or maybe I'm overcompensating for how much people want to clown on him for the shoe thing. Um, but yeah, that's where we are. Next up is Van Jefferson. He only saw one target in that game, and it was the previously mentioned uh, 41-yard catch against Marco Wilson. And when you look at Van Jefferson, it's like, well, he's behind Cooper Cup. He's behind Odell Beckham Jr., he, or before Odell Beckham Jr., he was behind Robert Woods. And then you got, you know, Tyler Higby gets his targets. Running backs get, I'm just going to say running backs in general because they rotate. Uh, so running backs get their targets. And it's like, well, Van Jefferson, he, he's wide receiver three. He's option four. I'd put him behind Tyler Higby. Um, he's, op- he's wide receiver three. He's option four. If this offense didn't run most of the time against Arizona, sure, maybe he has more catches, maybe he has more targets, whatever it may be. We've seen this offense try to get the ball to Van Jefferson before, and it's worked 
more times than not, I think it was the 49ers game on Monday Night Football was the one time where it's like they were clearly trying to get the ball to Van Jefferson, and it it, it just wasn't working. Um, that happens every now and then, but you know Van Jefferson, he, he's an elite level wide receiver three, I think, and I I, I know that we're going to talk about him a lot when we go into the next season because next year should be his breakout year. This was his second year; he was a second round pick. Your third year is when you should break out, but that also depends on like Odell and Robert Woods' recovery, you know, and all these things. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to watch. And another wide receiver that played in Wildcard Weekend was Demarcus Robinson. He had a solid game. He had four catches for 76 yards on five targets. And he's someone where I remember seeing him make plays. And I was like, oh, damn, Marcus Robinson's doing it. Because going into the year, he, he was a starting receiver, kind of lost that and saw less snaps, saw less targets, obviously, because while he was healthy and while he was playing and while he was starting, he was kind of, I don't want to say non-existent, but he kind of went invisible at times. And that's obviously not ideal from a receiver, but when you're on an offense with the Chiefs, which similar to Van Jefferson, it's like, yeah, you're fine, but you got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Mecole Hardman's going to get his design touches and things like that. Yeah, you're, you're going to lose a little bit of it, especially for an offense that's so predicated on speed where DeMarcus, Bo- uh, DeMarcus Robinson is kind of DeMarcus, DeMarcus Robinson is kind of one of those guys where uh, I, I called Trey Dean. You know, he, he's a jack of all trades, but a master of none. That's kind of DeMarcus Robinson where he's not great at anything, but he's pretty good at most of what he's asked to do. Next is Trent Brown looking at the offensive line. Uh, a tough time. Trent Brown had a tough time. He allowed a team high three pressures versus the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, he's someone where I'm not I'm not big on O-line play. I'm not very great at it. I'm better at recognize, uh, recognizing an O-line as a unit and who's the one screwing up and things like that, not necessarily looking at an individual and recognizing how good they are. Um but even run blocking for me, I was just like, that's not impressive what he's doing. Like, he's a mammoth of a human being. He should be like dominating people. And it just seems like he wasn't. I don't know what it is, if he's hurt, if he's out of shape because he's had issues like that before. But yeah, it was rough for him. And, and I get having a rough day because you're playing a great team. But at the same time, it's playoffs. If you don't play great, you're going home. And that's exactly what happened. And it's like one of those games where... I think it was like negative three with wind chill at that time. It's like you're, you're needed as an O-lineman. He just didn't step up. The last player to talk about is Joe Hayden, who he had a rough go of things versus the Chiefs. Uh, Byron Pringle scored a touchdown on him, which I realize is it makes me be like, it makes it sound like I'm like, oh, Byron Pringle scored a touchdown on him. Yikes. No, uh, Joe Hayden was targeted six times in coverage. He allowed five catches for 49 yards and that Byron Pringle touchdown that I already mentioned. Uh, he also made two stops in the run game, and I swear every time I watch the Steelers and every time I watch Joe Hayden, I just constantly get the thought of, you know, he's still, I think, an average to above average corner. He's obviously not the great corner that he was with the Browns or his early Steelers days. Um, but every time I watch him, I'm just like, man, this, this guy, when he's when he recognizes or when he feels as though he shouldn't be a cornerback anymore. I think he's going to make that move to safety. And I don't think he'll be as good as Charles Woodson was, but I think he might be the best corner converted to safety that we've seen since Charles Woodson. I, I think Joe Hayden, I, I see him make these hits. Like he had two stops in the run game. I see him make these hits and, and these clean form tackles where you could still tell there's a bit of pop there. And it's like, 
with his IQ, his willingness to play in the run game, his ability to still be an above average cover safety. I, I think we'll see Joe Hayden make that move. And, you know, if, if he's with the Steelers, uh, so, so be it. I don't think he'd be great there because Mink is usually their deep safety. So he'd be relegated to being a box safety. And that that's, I mean, he can make the tackles, but yeah, I'd like to see him be able to free roam a little bit more. Um, but if he leaves and he goes to a creative DC, it, it could be really fun. Thanks for making Lock Nugget. It's your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about our our favorite Florida Gators. Now make your second listen, Locked On Chiefs, hosted by Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark, to hear more about guys like Demarcus Robinson, Tommy Townsend, hey, specialist love there. Um, the Chiefs are getting ready for another Super Bowl run. Tune in. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of WholeLineSports.com where you find all of my written work, and I will see you all yeah, tomorrow. <laughs>